0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast for Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, it's Donnie Fandango, Jeremy Rutherford, Alex Ferrario joining me in the studio. Gentlemen, how are you? Happy Metallica no-repeat weekend uh, in St. Louis weekend.
1: Well, it gives me something more to look forward to than the Blues and Devils and Blues and Canadians, because it hasn't been fun. So, hey,
0: Metallica. I, here, here, let me tell you something that's not gonna be fun. and I've already started wor- I started worrying about this on Wednesday and I'm not even lying to you when I say that I started worrying about this on Wednesday. <laughs> I realized that not only was the Metallica show at the Dome, but also that the blues were downtown. Oh. okay. So I'm like, oh cool. Where am I gonna park? Friggin Goddang Soulard what? so so thankfully like I found like a, you know, you can buy, which is crazy to me now that you can buy a parking space early down there. Really? Yeah. So, like, I reserved a place in, in the Keener lot, which is kind of halfway between Bush and the Dome, and like it's already paid for and all that sort of thing. Now, it's still going to be a complete and total nightmare once I get down there. Huh. I know this. But uh, I am at that stage of my life. It's like the commercial with Dr. Rick, <laughs> where I am already planning the exit before I even get into the event. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's just how I'm doing. I'm trying to point my car to the exit <laughs> so that this can just be as easy as possible.
2: I've only done three of these with Donnie, but I'm starting to catch on to that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, dude. That's how I
0: it, it, it is. I have got so many old man, crabby-ass old man tendencies when I'm actually really like pushing Sixty seventy. 60, 70, I don't know how Mary's going to stand me. Yeah. I really
1: don't. I really think this is why I get along with
0: Donnie so <laughs> well, because I have these... I park my car just like that. I back in in parking garages because I'm like, well, I need to make sure I can get out of here easier than everybody else. Dude, and also too, my kids, uh, my daughter especially, and I'm so bad at this. I don't know that I should admit this. Eh, who gives a No, come on. So, uh, I very rarely anymore unless it is a band that I absolutely love stay until the very end. I am captain number one traffic beater that is my number one thing that I am concerned about all right so we were at um the Brett Michaels show at the amphitheater with my son um uh, it was just me and Dex and it was 174 degrees outside oh, I mean God, it was I one of that those concert. dude it was one of those yeah. gnarly days so uh, I say to Dexter hey man, we're gonna stay for a few songs and then we're gonna go. And he's like, okay, no problem. So we stay for like four songs. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you enjoying yourself? And he's like, I don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right, no problem. So we ended up staying to the very, very end of the show. Well, the next day, we're at home. We're talking about it. We talk about how we stayed to the end of the show. My daughter... Gets mad because the last show that I took her to, which I cannot remember what that is, I was insistent on us leaving a couple of songs early so that she, uh, so that we could beat the traffic, and you know it turned into a whole, Well, why are you stand for him and not stand for me? And just, you love him more than I, me. I, but but that just that just kind of like how I like sort of go about things. Johnny, I see sometimes days. it's like
2: one event that shapes who you are like that, and mine is uh, my mom took my brother and I to the Cardinals game one year, and I can't remember the year, but we sat out in the bleach in like sixth inning, seventh inning. She's like, all right, let's go. So we go, and on the drive home, we're listening to the game, and we hear Mike Shannon say, uh, Brummer's stealing home. He's oh. home. He's safe. No. He's Brummer steals home and forever. <laughs> now my brother and I will stay to the end because we don't want to miss that. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> my dad left the Monday Night Miracle before it ended. Oh my god! He said he and his uh, cousin had to try and fight their way back into that uh, stadium, and they couldn't get back in.
0: Oh, you just taught me that was. Yeah. Great. Oh my yeah. goodness! That's that's but the boy. one that my dad always kind er, of reminds me of. What are you doing, I know. buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, you talk about like two iconic St. Louis sports moments <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> we both had somebody bugging out early. On. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> see, that's 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 amazing. I don't, I don't even know like I don't even know where this started. Like, I used to be a lot of fun. Like, I would, like, stay at the game until the usher was like, hey, get out of here. Hey, I think getting home early is fun. Are you kidding me?
1: You get home before, you know, you're expected to with all that traffic. You don't have to lay on your horn. You're doing everybody else a service because if Donnie's stuck in traffic – Donnie's Road
0: Rage comes out. Nah. Nah. The road rage only comes out these days, normally on fifty five, when I'm trying to go home by Merrimack Bottom and I'm getting uh doused by trucks that are going 120 miles an hour. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that, that is the only that, that's really the only the only uh the time. JR, and and Donnie, talk-
2: I feel you on the parking too. <laughs> I feel you on the parking because I think uh, I've got how many do you have any tickets?
1: No, Don't they're down? not tickets anymore, so they're on Oh, uh, a parking, parking tickets. Oh, I thought you meant tickets yeah. for the parking route. Oh yeah, I've had like uh, probably this is going to sound good, like five to ten. Yeah, I mostly think, from parking at Enterprise Center to try and go into practice
2: when you got to find a spot real quick. Donnie, when we got time another day, I mean, it, downtown parking. If you see a parking spot and you park there, there might be a no parking sign about two miles away that, <laughs> that yeah. applies to that spot. And so I've got five or six tickets, and mm-hmm. and I think uh, by the way, I think there's an amnesty going on right now. You can go down and pay it and not pay the fines. But uh, I'm good. just waiting to come out. Okay, Blues, Winnipeg. At Enterprise Center, January fourteenth, come out about one o'clock in the morning. Done writing, and there's the booth. There's the booth. My Ford one fifty.
0: As it's as it's as it's negative fifteen outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
2: got Jr. After one practice. You remember
1: this? Yeah, when I yeah. I was walking out before him, and I saw his truck, and I'm like, all right, cool. So I had a little piece of paper, and I just wrote, "Pay the ticket, you jerk." <laughs> or, Where's your parking pass? And I put it on his. And I stood over by my car, and I watched him walk up, and he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" And I'm like, "Oh, now he realized that it was a fake one, <laughs> and I didn't say kidding." Yeah. (laughs) No, yeah, it was something else. Wait, this is
0: a podcast, right? (laughs) So, uh, gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah. We're about, what, nine, ten games into the season? Eight. Eight. Even better. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, you know, we've only had one game played since we chatted last, and that was the Wednesday game in Colorado. And uh, I think it just became incredibly apparent to me and my naive eyes, uh, honestly, kind of maybe where the Blues stand in this whole thing. Um you know, man, it just looked like a team that was in the top tier and a team that was clearly not. And even in, you know, the fir- the beginning of the first period when the Blues were playing okay and the second period when they played well, like I told you guys, it still felt like the Abs could kick their game up a notch. And it just seemed like the Blues were fighting for their lives to even just stick around in the second period of that game on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I mean, we've right. talked
1: about this, what, twice now? Like, speed kills this team. That's the one thing that... I'm not sure they can combat, and I think that's what the identity was trying to be for this Blues team, where, hey, they have got some speed now, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, and you know, you add in a Yacoub Veron and a Captain, and you're thinking, yeah, this team could compete with some fast teams. The problem is, you might be able to outskate certain players, but as a five-man unit, the other team just seems to be faster. They're faster to pucks, they're winning puck battles, and they're faster on their decision making, and... I I liked the way they played in the first two periods. Colorado was the better team, but like St. Louis held on and I think Curbs mentioned Mark Rycroft who does pre and post for the Avalanche said like one team looked like they were holding out hope and the other team looked like they were trying to prove people wrong and that would have been Colorado. But it's it's now we're back to the mistakes costing this team problems to where you're in a hockey game, you're down by a goal you get one back in the second period a period that you typically play awful in Colorado. the, The long change the 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 elevation like it just kills this blues team you score the goal and you're down by one you don't score on the power play you force a pass in the neutral zone and next thing you know they're skating and putting the goal in like that felt like they were playing with their food which you've talked about JR like you can't measure this team against Colorado this season Colorado's on a different atmosphere than you are but it is frustrating when you see the speed killing your team.
2: Yeah. Okay. So with it already established, you know, we've been doing it for a couple of weeks that uh, Colorado's a great team, cream of the crop. You go in there, you're not expecting to win necessarily. But I had two takeaways from that game, guys. Number one is that to me, what we're starting to see with the Blues, it feels a lot more is, you know, it almost feels about halfway through the game. You're just trying to survive. Like you're not trying to compete, tie the game, take the lead, get the power score the goal, uh, and 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 have a game that's tight and you're up by one and maybe you give it up late, but at least you were in it the whole time. So you give credit to Robert Thomas and that line for scoring that goal, because it did get them back into it. But prior to that and even after that, I felt like the blues are just trying to survive here. Number two, and this ties into it, is if this team is going to be successful, we can sit here and talk about the power play, the 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 goalie, the the defense. We consider and break down every situation. But to me, if the veterans who've been playing for ten plus years make mistakes like Tory Krug did and Braden Shen, yeah. If there are veterans making those types of huge mistakes, then this team isn't going anywhere. The veterans, I realize we're going to put a lot of pressure on Thomas and Kairu to lead this team and shoulder the load, but the Justin Fox, Tory Krug's, Braden Chen's, Pavel Buchnevich's, Brandon Sod's have to be the guys not making those mistakes, yeah. you know, make it, making the plays. And, and so that wasn't the case in Colorado. You don't give yourself any chance to win when you have those two hiccups.
0: You know, guys, I, um, You know, one thing, doing this podcast for a couple years with Jamie has made me a little bit hesitant to say what I'm about to say, but he's not here, so I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Um, But, man, I I never, I cannot, I don't want to question the effort of these guys because I'm sure that they're trying, okay? I'm not saying that they're not trying. But, dudes, there to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is a visible lack of intensity on this team on a regular freaking basis. First of all, I love his setups. He's got the best setups. I know it
2: takes about ten it's seconds. Like to perfect, preface it's to, It's the perfect preface, <laughs> and then the he preface. just drops the yeah, bomb on yeah. you. Uh, love it, nice. yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad, but oh, yeah, I'll yeah. take it. It's got, good, I, but I'll take it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree with you on some nights. I, I don't know that I would characterize the Colorado game like that just because they're such a great team. Yeah, and uh, you know, but there have been periods this season and even games where you say, "Yeah, where, where's the effort?" Sometimes. I don't know that the effort translates on watching in TV or in person. So, you know, sometimes I feel like you talk to Craig Bruby, no, the effort was there, and he'll give you an honest answer. Even though to the eye it didn't look like the effort was there. But I think if you look a little deeper into that, what that goes to is – a body language that we're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Like, they might be trying really hard and the effort's there, but there's still some sort of body language like, oh, my God, I can't get the puck out of this zone. Right. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, and th- the difference for me
1: is last year I felt like it was spot on to where you could see, like, there was just a lack of intensity. One bad thing would go wrong, and then it was just kind of like you felt like they were just floating through the game. At least this season, there's been – situations where I felt like that like that Arizona Coyotes game by the third period you kind of felt like they were just floating through that game Um, the third period against Winnipeg I felt like that and then that Colorado game the third period so like instances I feel like that's there rather than last season it felt like it was an entire game Mm -hmm. where they would start off and they'd be floating through the game and like Jair mentioned it's so hard to question the effort out there right but the decision-making is the part that you question so much because these are guys that have been in the league for a long time. Like that pass from Tory Krug. Like you look at that and you say, "What were you looking at there?" And he might have had a better, vi- he did have a better vision than I did on television. But you see Kale McCarr waiting for that. So it's just it feels like this team, when one thing goes wrong, you can't stop the snowball. Which again was like last year, that game against Colorado. You were flying through in the second period. You were thinking, man, if we score on this power play, we're in. You don't score on the power play. 30 seconds after that power play ends, you get the puck picked off in the neutral zone and Colorado swarms you. And then what happens after that? Three minutes later, they score another goal. Like, it does feel like in the losses this season and the bad losses – Things snowball on top of the blues. Yeah,
2: it's funny you talk about uh, what did Tori Krug see? You know we can't necessarily yeah. see. I was at my son's game the other day, ten year old hockey, and uh, he he just put one right to the other team. The other team takes it and scores a goal against us and drive home. I'm like, what what did you see there, buddy? And he goes, oh that guy was blocked. I couldn't see him. There was a guy standing in front of him, and I was like, are you trying to tell me that you had a better view than me in the bleachers? <laughs> here? There, there's no way. There is no way. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. But that's true, and that's dude, that's. Guys, that's why I don't like like what you say. I'm glad that you say that about the effort, man, because I do, I do think that it's incredibly easy for my dumb ass to say while well, I'm sitting on my couch <laughs> in South County when there's a lack of intensity. Whether it's there, and or not. you're not the only one saying it too. No, well, I want to ask, I want to ask you guys, and I know uh, J.R., You did an interview with uh, Jakub Verana uh, for the Athletic, but I want to read this quote. Now, this was from a the practice. I believe somewhere early this week, practice. Coach Barubi being interviewed, and this is what he had to say about Verana. This is a direct quote. I will wrote this thing to, like exactly <laughs> wrote it down because I want to get. We're talking about Verana. This is Coach Barubi. When I'm hungrier for pucks, and when you're confronted, uh, when you're confronted battling harder for him and competing harder, you know we know he can score and he has a great shot. But there's a lot of other parts of the game that are really important. There's a lot of other parts of the game that are really important. That, I mean, like, dudes, I was trying to, like, put that in context for, like, Tommy the boss saying, I mean, but that to me is like the coach, like, literally saying, dudes, you're not doing your job. You're not working hard enough. Yeah. This is not good enough. There's no part of this. Guys, this is not going to have a good a, no. a good ending here with this guy and this team.
1: No. I, I mean, basically what he's saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, because you were there, you heard these. Yeah. I just heard it on tape. He's essentially saying he's just waiting for somebody to get him the puck so we can score. And he he said this about Verona in preseason, where it's like, look, there's a lot of other ways to score than just from the perimeter. you got to go in. I remember one of the preseason goals. He scored a rebound goal right in front of the net below the faceoff dots. And Berube was like, that's what we want from him. But the games that we've seen from Verona, it's been a lot of floating on the perimeter, waiting for the pass, or it's been waiting in the neutral zone for the play to come back north. I mean, for lack of a better word, it seems like it's cherry-picking. And that's not going to fly with Craig Berube. Like, some coaches are going to be fine with that, but not Craig Berube. I mean, you've been healthy scratched twice, and I'm very curious to see what happens with this one tonight because they benched him for a couple of shifts in the third period against Colorado, and if you're healthy scratching him again after only playing one game... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we we got to be talking about, like, is he going to be a part of this team for the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I can say anything about this because uh, it seems like every time I say anything about Verona, I get the, uh, you, you're you a hater. You, oh, you, yeah, well, you, you yeah, welcome Verona. to my world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, welcome to our text so, line hey. during BK and Ferrari. Oh,
1: well, you think Alexandrov's a better option than Verona? You don't know hockey, Ferrario. Yeah,
2: sorry, you can't even uh, point out a, a turnover yeah. to here. But, you know, like that goal the other night, I realized that that uh, that Ross goal, when, when he scores, he beats Tucker. Hey, look, Tucker. Whatever you want to talk about the angle, uh, you know, Tucker can't skate as well as some guys. You know, like a Perinovich. Paul uh, Yeah, there were there were you know some mistakes made on that play, but I felt like in the offensive zone probably could have been a little more pressure applied by uh, Verona. You know, he's there uh, at that at the wall. So anyway, I think that with uh, Verona. Um, he's not a Craig Bruby type of player, so he needs to do those other things, and Craig Bruby is not going to let it fly. He's not going to let it – you know continue without him making his point that I need you to be better in other areas so Donnie you've probably seen some of the the clips uh, of Verana where you know he made the no look behind the back pass and it gets picked off and it heads back the other way that's the kind of stuff that you can't have yeah. you're, you're talking about a team that's trying to get into the offensive zone every game we talk about how they don't have any offense scoring chances well it's because there's turnovers made by a lot of guys on the team he's one of them and so they need to change that and here I think Riv made this point the other day hey Verana's got a nice shot, well, guess what? You don't get to use it unless you get yeah. the puck into the offensive zone yeah. and set up. So, or hey, if you get the puck to your teammates to start offense. Yeah, great great shot, nice shot, let's see it, but how about we get the puck in the zone, whether it be he or, or other guys first?
1: You know what, he, he feels like Mike Hoffman, and, and I mean, like, we've lived this experience, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Mike Hoffman had an incredible shot and everybody was like, man, why is Mike Hoffman, he's not playing well, and oh, man, why is Mike Hoffman on the second power play unit? Well, because those fancy passes that you're trying to make, they result in turnovers. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, look, again, people people immediately hear this and say, well, that's why you need to get a different coach because a different coach can coach these guys. Any coach in the National Hockey League right now is going to see a backhanded no-look pass that gets picked off and turns into a breakaway and says, okay, well, you're not going to be, I mean, John Tortorella sat Patrick Lining in a game with the Columbus Blue Jackets because of stuff like that. So uh, you got an incredible shot, the problem is if you've got no sustained offensive zone time, and he's playing with two guys that Baruby deems good puck possession players, but if the if that line is still creating offensive turnovers and you're playing more on your own end, how does it benefit this team to be on the ice?
0: I overly simplify things quite a bit when it comes to the Blues, I think to make up for my lack of like in-game knowledge and things, but I really don't think I'm wrong here with what I'm about to say. I don't understand why this team does not take more shots from the gosh dang point or, not, or f- more shots from the point with more bodies in front of the freaking net. There is never anybody in front of the net. And when they do do that with boots the other night when he's deflecting the goalie yeah. they f- or, 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 or distracting goalie, they freaking score. Yep. It, it, it is maddening to me because you see the other team get those dirty goals that the Blues just do not seem to get. Am I wrong? No,
2: you're not wrong. There's got to be a willingness. Uh, you know, the first, what, five or six games of the season, I don't even think they established enough offensive zone you know, pressure where they could get into a situation where they were taking shots and getting the greasy goals in front of the net. But now you're starting to see them get in there a little bit, pass the puck back to the D, Sometimes they are getting looks, you know, Krug and Falk and some of these guys are getting looks on the point shots, Um, but when they do take them, you're right. I sometimes see two guys off to the side, maybe six or eight feet, and I'm not saying you got to stand dead center every single time, but have some net front presence. That's the only way this team's going to win. Look, it could be a different year, different team, more skill, and they could score some fancy goals. A couple of years ago, real good rush team. But that's not how this team's going to yeah. score, and I think to this point, I don't see a ton of guys saying, "Look, it's going to be me. I'm going to go to the I'm going to be that guy."
1: Let me ask you guys this, because when you think of the best power forwards around the National Hockey League, who comes to mind? Like those guys that are dominant in front of the net around the NHL.
2: Matthew Kachuk does a lot of that. Yeah, he does do a lot my, of that. going to be my Brady's guy.
1: one of them. I mean, Tom Wilson made a career of it. Gabriel Landis, guy, I know he's hurt right now. But think of those guys. Think of the power forwards. And then think of who the Blues have. I, I don't know if they have power forwards. Like They've got big bodies, don't get me wrong. Kevin Hayes is one of them. But Kevin Hayes has never really been a traditional stand in front of the net and look for those like Keith Kachuk deflections. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like David Perron was that guy for the Blues where he would look for the snipes, but then he would go to the net and he would get those rebounds because he knew that that was where they were. Oscar Sundquist is one of those guys, but Sonny's a fourth-line guy that's not seen a whole lot of ice time. Right. Like when I look at this Blues team, and I understand the frustration, Donnie, because I'm the same way. It's like, I mean, you got all these offensive defensemen. Why aren't you putting more pucks to the net? But then I see the pucks that actually get to the net from the blue line, and the goalie's got a clear path to it. And and I mean, like this is a power play problem, too. Joey was talking about it on the broadcast. The shots that you're taking on the power play, the goaltender is already set, signed, sealed, and delivered waiting for the shot because he knows where it's coming from. Whereas you move side to side, you've got those one-time threats, you've got bodies in front that screen the goaltender. We're talking about a guy who can't see it. Colorado's, uh, what was it? It was the third goal, Lekinen goal. Like, he, not a power forward, but he scored that goal standing in front of the net from the pass from Nathan McKinnon. So, like, I look at the Blues and I say, I don't know if they have those power forwards on their team. They're more of a off-the-rush, score goals like that type of team. So we're trying to make this team something that they're not, which I think is part of the problem this year. But
2: here's what I've always said, and there's different types of players. I get it. and And GMs build different types of rosters. But if you have a... Rush team and that's your bread and butter, and you're not that guy who parks in front of the net. Okay, you know, play to your bread and butter. Let's let's see the Absolutely. skill. Let's see the goal. But if you can't do that, then you're going to have to do something. You have to do whatever's going to get the and job done. I think done. we're seeing that right now, yeah. where
1: we're they're trying to showcase their skill, but it's it's not enough to out. It's not enough to outskill the other team. Mm-hmm. Like they come into the zone and try and create that skill. And the other team picks it off and it's going the other way.
2: Yeah, it's like what I used to say about the Chicago Blackhawks. Everybody talked about how they didn't have a, a fighter, you know, when they won those cups and everything. Yeah, that's because they're beating you three to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a fighter because they're using their skill. And right. So if you don't execute with your skill players, hey, you might think you're a great skill player in this league and you can put up big numbers and, you know, you know, what does Hitch say? Yeah. Uh, Diddle-dang with the puck or whatever he used yeah, to say. Yeah, dipsy-doodle dipsy or whatever doodle, Yeah, but if you can't do that. So anyway, like. Like you're saying, Alex, yeah, maybe there aren't those types of guys on the roster. But, hey, do you want to play in this league? You want to be on this team? Be that guy.
0: So uh, I I do want to ask one thing before I ask a couple of NHL things, including this Ottawa situation, which, holy, holy Toledo. (laughs) Holy Toledo. Uh, But so I was watching the game on Wednesday night on TNT or whatever it was and i you know saw and heard between the first and second period the biz nasty yep. complete dismantling of the blues defense in that particular period do you guys think that that was warranted that felt and listen listen i am uh, i am critical of this team i do not try to put them on a pedestal but that felt a little overboard to me but maybe that's just because i'm a blues fan i personally felt like
1: it was It was spot on for the personality that Bissonette is. Okay. Like, like if you've listened to Paul Bissonette on TNT, like, he is over the top and he does the chirping of the other teams and they kind of have some fun with it. Now, I felt like there was a lot more individual attack on Tyler Tucker with yeah. that play because like he was talking defense, but they kept showing the same highlight. And then you get Wayne Gretzky who just throws in like, well, maybe the goaltender should have stopped that one. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but I mean, like what Paul Bissonette said, he's not the only one that thinks that. Like I know here in St. Louis, we do feel like the defense has improved. Like I personally think Colton Parekh was been one of the best players all season for this team. He's been consistent. But, like, Craig Button said the exact same thing to me and BK on our show. He said, do you think anybody's afraid to play against this defense? Like, I'm using the quote from Craig Button. He said, nobody's afraid to play against this defense. They're not going to hurt you. They're not big enough to stop the plays. They're not fast enough to kill the momentum. People aren't afraid of the Blues. That's what Craig Button told us. And I think when you get a play like that, and it wasn't just him saying it; he was using the information that Rick Tockett, the the, the head coach that was his his uh, teammate on TNT broadcast, was telling him. Like that was all about positioning, and he was essentially saying like Tyler Tucker didn't have the position on him. So I, I personally I thought it was funny just because that's kind of like the TNT shtick is to get that right. kind of stuff, but. The way that they isolated with Tyler Tucker and kept playing the same highlight I'm like, oh, okay, maybe Ty- maybe Tyler Tucker's family isn't going <laughs> to no, appreciate this one. Yeah, Yikes. yeah. What do you, you think? Know,
2: a little overboard, but I think it's biz for one and two. You're on TV. You got I mean, it's entertainment. So yep. you got to make your point right. and uh even if it means blow it up, yeah. right? But I think that it's a situation where uh you know, Tyler Tucker is a 7th round draft pick. Who's not necessarily known for his skating, and Nick Letty, his veteran defensive par- partner, is is pinched up a little bit, which is fine, it happens. But now it falls on Tucker, who's, you know. A right side defenseman on that pairing, and now he's all the way up against the left wall, trying to make the play against a very. Fast, and he is a
1: left-handed defenseman too. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and I get that he's left. Yeah. yeah, he's a left shot guy. But you know, he's he's across the the rink, and he's trying to make the play. And yeah, could he have taken a better an angle? Yeah, but you know, to Biz's point, he was talking about kind of the Blues defense in general, and he said that uh, look at all the turnovers. I could have gone out there and broken up more plays than that. Yeah, it's true. I thought in that game. There were some forwards coming out of the zone, too, that that turned over the puck. I remember oh, yeah. Brandon Saad one So it wasn't just the defenseman. But, yeah, you know, Biz is just being animated. Yeah. But, gosh, you know, he says it, and the way he said it definitely got oh, yeah. some attention. Oh, it stunk. Oh, yeah.
0: like that thing hurt, you man. Like be- it was like he was
1: talking to me. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people texted me after he said that because I'm on, like I'm on the radio at the right. Time, so I don't know what's happening, and then I watch it afterwards. And I was the same. way. I'm like, oh, imagine if you were like Tyler Tucker's family watching this. Like, oh gosh, yeah, come and on now.
2: Tucker's family, Bennington's family, Fandango family. Oh yeah, everybody's <laughs> feeling it. Seriously no, though, like the part- my family doesn't care. <laughs> they, they
0: just wish I wasn't watching sports.
1: <laughs> the, the, when Wayne Gretzky chirped in on that one, he was like, well, maybe the gold. Tender should have stopped it i'm like ah
0: even when the great one says it it hurts (laughs) yikes okay so gentlemen you're gonna have to completely fill me in on everything that is going on normally you know whatever happens with the ottawa senators good luck 91 uh, vladdy good luck uh, brady good luck but like i don't know i'm not a senator guy so i don't care but (laughs) from what i understand i'm gonna try to try to button this up as best I can. New ownership in Ottawa. Literally just took over the team, okay? There were two situations. One involving the recent suspension of uh, of Pinto the gentleman mm-hmm. and yep. the uh, the gambling situation. Mm-hmm. And then also a something from a from the 2020 trade deadline about someone not notifying somebody of a team on their no trade clause list so all of these things and all of these penalties have are, are just now happening and the owner of the Ottawa Senators the new owner doesn't didn't really know very much of anything in this process
2: yeah so in a
0: nutshell nutshell yes
2: in a nutshell <laughs> Ottawa makes a trade with Vegas and But
0: this is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, is a couple yeah. years ago. And so when they
2: do the trade call, you know, they go through all the details. Hey, does this guy have a no trade clause, any protection that we need to know about? No, he doesn't. So the trade goes through and he goes to Vegas. Well then Vegas tries to trade Dadnoff to Anaheim. Well, he had a no trade protection that prevented him from going to Anaheim but that was never brought up when he was traded to vegas so now he's on vegas they're trying to trade him to anaheim he says no i can't go there that's one of my places that i don't go to and he said what do you mean you got a no trade clause we didn't know about this when we got you from ottawa so it's negligence on ottawa's part so this falls back on them and in that instance and so what the owner was upset about is this is a guy who just bought the team right well he You know, that was two years ago. Nobody brought it up. They told him it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And then now he's going to pay the repercussion of losing a first-round draft pick. So he's upset about that. And then he came out also and said that nobody told him that the uh, Pinto guy was being investigated (laughs) for for betting. So he feels like uh, everybody in the league kept that quiet so that he'd pay top dollar for the, uh, the team when he bought it. And then now all of a sudden, you know, sale goes through. He's the owner of the team. And now they're saying, oh, yeah, this, this, and this. Yeah. Dudes. Yeah. So Pinto's like the perfect name for the kid (laughs) if we got a he bought a Pinto and he got a (laughs) he got a lemon here.
0: (laughs) But, dudes, <laughs> can you imagine spending oh, I'd be pissed. that much money?
2: $950
0: Yeah. And, and, and I'd then, be pissed. And then having them, that's no big deal. It's, no, it's not going to be a thing, just a little speed bump. And then you're losing a first-rounder, which I know that he pointed out as a big freaking deal. And, yeah. of course, that's a big freaking deal. This is not right. No. So let me ask this. Could he take legal action against the NHL? Well, I mean, you can do anything. That, yeah, the only say. thing
2: is, like— I mean he just got into owning right. the team and you know it's So it's you like, would be, you and, and, would run the risk of pissing off other owners if you did that right probably out of the gate you're pissing off.
1: But I also right. feel like the legal side of it, like they did tell you, like you knew that you were purchasing a team that had these things attached maybe not the Shane Pinto thing, but you knew you had the the trade issue because like this was discussed back in 2020 so the legal side would be like well you knew this was going to be the case when you bought the team you just didn't know how big
2: of an ordeal it was going to be yeah. right but it did take a long time for them oh, to yeah come two to years a, is a joke two, two years a long time but donnie here's i think that you know he said what he wanted to say he said his piece right it was really strong and typically the league will come out and, and slap him with a fine i think this time they just let him say yeah, it yeah. He was like no fine welcome to the nhl
0: you yeah. know what uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and look the other yeah. way <laughs> this particular time. <laughs> Can I be honest,
1: though? Like, a first-round pick for, for both of those things seems really extreme. Yeah. Like, it seems extreme that that's what the first-round pick penalty is going to be. Like, the the, the lack of giving the trade – the no trade list, understandable. Like that that's something that either should be fined or maybe you take away a late draft pick from. But the Shane Pinto thing also, like on top of it, that that seems like it's a penalty already in itself with the suspension to the player, maybe a fine to the team since he was a part of your roster. But to take away a first round draft pick, like that's like the worst of the worst situations.
0: And this wouldn't even fall into that category for me. So wait, so they're getting dinged first rounders for both. No, just one. If okay. I'm understanding correctly. okay, but I mean that's still mm-hmm. a freaking lot. That's not right. No, that no. is that's some so that's some crooked pissed. business, Gary Bettman. Yeah. <laughs> that's some dirty pool, Mister. No, that, that, that is I, man. I mean, like I was watching this yesterday, and it was kind of like the realization of what was happening as I was watching this, and I went, I stopped in the studio and was like. Well, that's a bunch of BS. Like, <laughs> like it was just so unbelievably crazy to me that that would be allowed. But then I guess you're right. Legally speaking, you did kind of know. Maybe you just didn't know the extent of it. I was
2: just jealous. I w- I wish I were the reporter covering that press conference because oh, he was going dude. off the rails. Yeah. He,
1: it was intense. Like I, I I heard clips of it afterwards, and I'm like, man, this guy
0: was pissed. Mm-hmm. And they've got a really good thing brewing up there right now, don't oh, they? God, yeah. I mean, they've got a really because because getting that previous owner out was a huge Mm -hmm. thing for the team in the city, right? And then now, so they got a new owner, they've got a real good nuts and bolts in that team, so there's reasons for Ottawa to be excited.
1: I I, I personally like the owner, I like everything that took place. Did you see the report of kind of what happened between he and Pierre Dorian, of why they fired him? So the conversation essentially with the owner to Dorian was like, this is unacceptable that you didn't provide a no-trade list, we're going to part ways, and Dorian was like, yeah, I get it. Okay, <laughs> like he knew he was like, yeah, that kind of
0: pretty crappy on my part. So yeah, I get it. I'm walking away, dude. It's always the worst, man. When you would love to to fight back at the ball. Come on, I'm gonna. But... I'm a great guy. You're right. I yeah, screwed up. Was, uh, my yeah, bad. You know what? You're. You know what? I, I, if I were you, I'd probably do the same. You know, I do it all the time at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, You're I'm right. My wife all the time. You're right. Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right.
0: So this is a busy weekend for the boys. Yeah. It's uh, the it's, uh, Devils tonight. Who's tomorrow night? Montreal. Jake Allen. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I miss you, Jake. Is it, Would he be? Because they don't have a back-to-back,
1: right? now. He just
2: played. They played last night, so I doubt he plays. They got three goalies right now in yeah. Montreal, so I don't know that he'll play tomorrow night. But he played uh, game number 400 last night pretty awesome. in his NHL career. Pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Are you kidding so me? So was he second-round
2: draft pick. So maybe yeah. not a the, – the fact that he has just continued to, you know, make yeah. himself – Well, and think about who he was around –
1: coming up into the leagues like he and Ben Bishop were head-to-head then you were with Brian Elliott and then you were with Carter Hutton Bennington Bennington comes in and then he goes to Montreal where you're with Carey Price and then you're the guy for a little bit I mean like you talk about a career for a goaltender and like that's not an easy thing to do to play 400 games unless you're the best of the best and man Jake Allen's made a career for himself and has a Stanley Cup behind his name which is pretty awesome
0: I, I don't know him I've never met him but I would just assume that he is one of those guys that you just can't say very many poor things about he seems like one hell of a teammate from everything that I've ever heard
2: he's great Donnie and and I think you know I, I think when he went through his struggles and then Jordan Bennington kind of took things over I think there was a time where Jake Allen might have been talking to you know somebody off to the side who just emphasized positive attitude Hard work and Jake Allen, I kind of saw it behind the scenes where he just took it and ran with it, and he became that teammate. and And it, you don't necessarily just roll with everything, but I think that you accept that. Hey, I can help the team this way. Mm-hmm. I can be this guy. I want to be there for my teammates. You guys all recall the story where you know I think in the. Uh, uh, Stanley Cup Final Series, he's trying to mimic Tuka Rask, the Boston goalie, yeah. so that the shooters can see what Rask looks like. Donnie, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it quickly here, is, uh I got down to the Blues Parade, Stanley Cup Parade, and – I saw, and I knew how many people were going to be there, uh, but I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to write a story about a parade when I'm 37 people deep in the streets of St. Louis? Mm-hmm. And so I said to Blues PR, I said, is there any way I can get closer? I'm not looking you know, to be put on a pedestal here, but just any way that I could get closer. And he said, yeah, just talk to the players, see if you could jump on one of their floats or you know, whatever, just kind of off to the side. I said, okay. So- I went up to jake allen i said jake i hate to ask you this but i'm just trying to get closer is there any way he had this huge fire truck right well in the back of the fire truck there was this little compartment where you could kind of just be out of the way and just kind of hide and mm-hmm. and and he said yeah sure just jump right back in there no problem and and so anyway that's where i went you know you're inconspicuous you're not really like part of the parade but you're embedded and you're able to just watch things see things and i'll never forget it again told this but um, Jake Allen has his daughters and his wife, and I think his mother-in-law on this uh, fire truck. And at one point, he's he, he he gets called out into the streets by the fans. Come, on, Jake, get out here! And uh, Jake hands me his daughter, <laughs> and I'm holding his daughter. <laughs> oh my god! And and he runs over to uh, uh, you know the the fencing where the people are. And I'll never forget this. This guy hands Jake a beer. He's got a beer. They like lock arms, like they just got married, and they both. Both just chug this beer for 30 seconds you know each of their beer meanwhile i got, a, I got my notepad and his little daughter <laughs> lenin and uh he just walks back to the fire truck steps up onto the fire truck i hand him his daughter he climbs into the back and the doesn't and the say anything just, just, gone, just goes gone, at us
0: man, that, is a, that is just an absolute boss JR, beat
2: writer reporter <laughs> and, and, and I I mean, babysitter i mean that
0: is that's full circle man you dude, that's something else didn't you fall off that fire truck well,
2: Alex, uh, I'm not I think let we're you forget about that we're out of time on this. No, no, actually, I, the, uh,
0: actually, I think we got plenty yeah, of time. Matter matter of Thirty it, minutes. It's honestly
2: not really a story. It's just that <laughs> the day of the parade. You know, if you guys remember, it was was it rainy? Is it going to be hot? Is it going to be muggy? What do you do? Do I do shorts, pants, shorts, pants? So I went with the pants, and as you can imagine, my pants are a little you know skin tight Under Armour pants I like to call them, and so anyway, uh, I got off the fire truck to go interview some fans, right? And it's like, oh shoot, the fire truck took off. Well, now it's like thirty feet down the road, and that's my that's my ticket, right? Like that's where I'm watching the parade from so you know i start chugging down market street to chase the uh, fire truck and the fifth grade jeremy thinks he can just leap right onto the back of that fire truck and i did and uh as soon as i get up there just the whole crotch of my pants just split <laughs> and ripped and Yikes. and so for the next couple hours yeah you're kind of like covering, covering that one up <laughs> you get one hand down cross-legging there to... <laughs> it that's all right Curve stole my
1: microphone is, during the parade. Lady. He was on. He and Joey and John Kelly and Panger were on a float, and I was at KMOX at the time, so we were trying to grab everybody as they came by. And you had. The basic way that the engineers told us was like you have from this stoplight to this stoplight, and then you lose signal. And I'm like, all right, cool. So you hop on it at the first stoplight, try and get done before the next one, so you can run back. So I hop up on the spot or the uh, the first stoplight with Curbs, and Curbs takes the microphone from me as Chris Kerber would do, like he's gonna get everybody on the float, but he never gives it back. He forgets that I need it back, and so he took it. I'm telling you, he was three stoplights down, oh. and so I'm holding on to this
0: float like Curbs. Curbs! Curbs! <laughs> and I'm sure that he can completely hear oh, yeah. you can under you hear that me entire match. He's enjoying mess. his own beers. It's like, oh, what a nightmare. I think the thing about it is, though, is, is that, that winning didn't scratch the itch the way that I thought that it would. I mean, it scratched an itch. We won. Just for yeah. them? Yeah! But now I want it again. (laughs) Like I just uh, it is, man. Because like that uh, that ability, man. And this is going to sound dumb, but like as a fan, like the ability to talk trash to any other NHL fan. The year the Blues won the Cup, the beginning part of that season, I was at ACL in Austin, Texas, for their music festival, the Austin City Limits Music Festival. An amazing, amazing time. I'm watching the band Radiohead. I'm starting to walk back to, uh, to, to catch a ride, and there is a guy in a Bruins hat, and I've got a Blues oh, hat on. Oh, and he's wearing a Bruins hat, and oh, he goes, Alex. St. Louis effing sucks. And when the Blues won the Stanley Cup,
1: You went and found I his just home thought, address? I, no, no, I just <laughs> thought back
0: to the miserable day that that douchebag was having and it made me so unbelievably happy on the inside it still does as a matter of fact as you can tell
1: it does i see his face right now and i want more yeah
0: i want more and that's the worst thing that they did yeah. that because because we saw it we saw how hard it was to happen but then that team was so goddamn great that you were just you just had this feeling like there's something special here and i don't Obviously, don't necessarily have that about this particular team, but I really want that again.
2: I just love it because that's uh, a rant. Ninety percent of the people are thinking about their grandpa that died, who would have loved to have seen that moment. Donnie's thinking, Barkley, Plager, or somebody. Donnie's thinking of the guy in Boston. Donnie's
0: thinking about Pete in Boston, dude. You you know, you like apples? How about them apples? (laughs) That (laughs) that is that. I just because like dudes, but guys, you have to understand. I'm literally walking through a festival out of the fest. I am not trying to start fights with the guy with the Bruins hat on. I'm just trying to go because I'm hungry and I want to go somewhere to get tacos. Okay? (laughs) That was it. And this guy did that. And I was like,
1: man, oh, man. I thought Donnie was going to say he goes back to the, the Austin City Limits Music Festival every year looking for that same guy. Hey, remember 2019? You know why it stings, though? Why it doesn't itch the way it should? Because the following year, you had a cup contending team and COVID shut it down. Yeah, Like that, nothing you could do about COVID is what it is. But like that following year, that team, and I think it was Ryan O'Reilly that I talked to that said it, that team had all the makings of another cup run.
2: Donnie, you need to do what my brother did. I think uh, when the Rams were here, and I think they beat Philadelphia in a big playoff game. I can't remember what year. And and uh, he got the Philadelphia area code, whatever it is, and just uh, dialed it, and then randomly dialed seven other numbers, and whoever answered, oh he just rubbed it in. Hey, we just beat your Eagles. <laughs> Made about five phone calls. Or or purchase a
1: uh, a billboard uh, yeah. next time that your team wins it in that city, and just you know put it up there. That uh, whenever they beat Boston again, Donnie, we purchase a billboard that says, "Hey, guy from the." Austin Austin City Limits Music Festival. right. Boston sucks. No, I just I, I,
0: dudes, I'm right now. I'm I, I, I want I want the bills to beat the Dolphins and I want to call Miami zip codes. I just I, I just that that that's the first thing that 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 popped into my mind. I try i'm I'm, try, I'm trying to be a better fan. no, like a a, a, a a you know, a more plugged in fan. but like i I, I cannot like taking all of the emotion out of it. would be terrible for me, man. Like, I I, I have, like, I have rooted hard since I started loving sports, and, like, I don't, because I know that, like, sometimes we get on the fans when they get so upset about things. And I get that. But I feel like there is a way to kind of balance out the pissed-offness, I guess, a little bit. Because we do have so much information in 2023 that we didn't maybe have back in the day. I just feel like you can be a bit more informed. But at the same time, man, like, I get it. You see him go get housed and you get pissed off about it. I mean, I I don't know.
1: Welcome to being a fan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You love the highs and you hate the lows. Yeah, man too many lows No, oh, yeah and i got man and i got i got the bills and the bengals staring at me on sunday night it's even more lows <laughs> i already i already i'm already nervous about that whole friggin' situation the god dang bills entire like i think we have six starters that are uh that are out for the next couple of weeks we've got three starters that are out for the rest of the year good like what are you saying good for ferrario <laughs> no it was a sarcastic good like good oh, okay <laughs> See I, that was. did not there sound was. like a that did not no, sound did. like that, a song yeah. that, that was,
1: sounded like it was pointed. That was the angry fan <laughs> that he's talking about. We got to find
2: the happy middle, Donnie. I just want to turn Donnie's nervousness into a drinking game. Every time he says that he's nervous about like the bills or whatever, I'm gonna just everybody drink. We can't. You know how you get rid of the
0: nerves? Play some sports bets. Oh dude. <laughs> That's the last, that is, the last person. That is that audience. is the last thing that I that I that I need to do, man. I can't first of all, and I'm not even like a cheap person, but like I just cannot I've told you guys, I just have a tough time wrapping my head around the idea of just, oh hey, I might not get this money back. That's just nothing in which that I can sort of handle. And then I would, I I would it would it would take so much fun out of it for me because I get upset when, like, my – not upset, upset, but, like, I get bummed out when my fantasy football team doesn't win. Same. And that's not even money, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? 50 at the beginning uh, yeah. of the season or whatever the but hell you we paid pay. it three months ago, and right, who cares? Right, but, like, I I would I would absolutely lose my mind. I'm going to go through all my notes here and make sure I mention everything. Oh, how's the HL team doing real quick while uh, we're talking about Thunderbirds?
1: I don't know what their overall record is, but, I mean, the, the people that fans care about the most are Bull Duke and Dean and – I think boldu has got a goal and assist so far through the season. Dean's got an assist, but they're playing third-line minutes. I think they're around a five hundred team. Vadim Zarenko's looked good, but I don't think it's anything that's been, like, overwhelmingly great. Dvorsky's been awesome in the OHL. snuggerud has been awesome for Minnesota. Those are the other two that have kind of been tearing tearing it up.
0: All right, well, literally, that's all the notes. There, there it is. <laughs> that's it. And you know what? I'm out of notes. That's all I got.
1: No more notes, no more podcasts.
0: All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, uh, you're going to have a great blues weekend. I'm going to have a great uh, Metallica weekend, and we will uh, reconvene uh, next week, yep. and we'll uh, do this all over again. Amen. Awesome. All right, four. Uh, Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, Jeremy Rutherford, and Donnie Fandango, thank you for listening. As always, let's go blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.